first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Hey, welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and today we are talking about Avengers Endgame, Jojo Rabbit, The Lion King, Toy Story 4, Aladdin, RBG, and The Peanut Butter Falcon. And before I forget, it is 2020, the start of a new decade, and what better way to start off this new year than with a conversation about movies and uh, the movies of last year, as we had some really good movies and TV this, this past year. Probably the best of the past decade, in my personal opinion. As there is currently no new media out right now, this is a recap episode, but it does contain some of our favorite episodes of the past year. We hope you really enjoy this. Hey, welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Sahiba, and today we'll be talking about Avengers Endgame. So first, we're going to be talking with Catherine and Rohan about Avengers Endgame. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Of course. So I am thrilled to be talking to you guys about this. I'm a huge Marvel fan. So if I start geeking out a little bit, just ignore me. So Catherine, can you tell me a little bit about what's happening in the Marvel world now? At the moment, um, if everyone has seen um, Infinity Wars, uh, you would know that... um, but uh, Thanos has just snapped half of the universe away. So everyone is trying to recover from that right now. Oh, no. Yeah, that's I can't imagine how they're going to recover from that. But, um, Ron, what did you feel when watching this movie? I was very excited because I had watched all the five movies and there was quite a lot of build up to this film because this was kind of like the climax of this segment of the MCU. So, like, all the movies before this are kind of building up to this one. Yeah, I know. It's really crazy how they've had this decade of films. And do you think they do justice to this um, sort of decade of Marvel movies and the build-up that they have? I think that it's definitely one of the better movies, like, made. But I do think that it's slightly underwhelming just because they really built up a lot of anticipation for this movie it's not like underwhelming overall but it's just like it's just not as big as they really put it out to be okay i see what you mean i know i'm you know set that bar up really high for them so i totally know what you mean and so Catherine, how would you compare um endgame to all this previous all the previous marvel movies um well i think that it was absolutely amazing and like i know there was a lot of build-up and you know i i was really excited to see this and you know my expectations were met, and I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm just so excited. <laughs> Who is your favorite superhero, Catherine? I'm really curious. Um, It is probably... Oh, God, that's a hard one. I really like Iron Man a lot because, you know, he's really smart, and, you know, he knows a lot about, like, everything pretty much. 
Yes, I love Iron Man too. He's he's quite cool. <laughs> and Rowan, how about you? Who is your favorite superhero? Um, in the MCU, it's probably Spider Man. Yay! I love Spider Man too. He's he's also awesome. <laughs> and so, um, Rowan, um, after this whole Endgame and ten year long movies of Marvel, do you think that um they're gonna be able to keep it up for another maybe ten years? And um, I do think that they they're going to continue to make successful films. And while I don't think they're ever going to really accomplish anything as huge as this film, they will definitely continue to tell stories successfully that are popular. Yeah, for sure. And um, Catherine, so what did you think of the special effects? It's a Marvel movie. There's got to be some action. So what did you think? Oh, it was really cool. It kept me like, I was like so connected to the, like to the movie. I was staring at the screen the whole time. And, you know, the special effects just made it like complete. Because without special effects, you know, it would be so much just doller. Yes, that is very true. And Ron, what did you think of the visuals and the sort of grandness of, the um, film. Um, yeah, I do think it was very, like, there were a lot, lot of s- scenes where just because the characters have powers that are very colorful, like Captain Marvel is a very bright yellow, Iron Man shoots blue, and, and Thor also has blue lightning, Captain America throws a shield that's very brightly colored. But I do feel like the color grading wasn't perfect because it did it was very dark and some of like the more comedic scenes is like seemingly unnecessary but mm-hmm. that, that's kind that's kind of in line with the rest of the movies in the MCU all mm-hmm. quite dark yeah that's true and um Catherine so this is a three hour long movie it is very three very long yeah, it's more than three hours long. And so, um, do you think that at any moment it took away from the film? Or did you not notice? I didn't think it took out anything. Except, you know, like, I got in at 11 and I got out at, like, 2. I'm like, whoa, that's so much longer than I thought it would be. But I don't think it really took out anything because, you know, every three hours was worth of it. Worth of it. <laughs> Oh, that's so good to hear. I was really worried about that, but thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This is a recap episode, but it does contain some of our favorite episodes of the past year. And today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus. And right now, I'm going to continue talking with Catherine and Rowan about Avengers Endgame. Rowan, were there any... Easter eggs or sort of references to any of the old Marvel movies that people might need to be aware of or watch any previous movies before seeing Endgame? And yeah, there's the main ones that you would definitely have to have watched is probably the Avengers movies because they are, well, there's a lot of scenes that refer directly back to those. And then there's a couple jokes that are like very movie specific. Like there was one joke that was like about 
Captain Marvel's haircut, which is a reference to the Captain Marvel movie where she gets a haircut. <laughs> for other reasons I can't spoil. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a bunch of jokes that refer to other movies, but to really understand the part, you definitely have to have at least watched the other Avengers movies and maybe the Iron Man one. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was wondering because after watching Infinity War, I know a lot of people who hadn't really seen previous Marvel movies were slightly confused when a couple characters showed up. Um, but finally, um, Catherine, how many stars would you give Avengers Endgame? And what do you think the age range should be? Okay, I think that I would give this a five out of five stars because, you know, the story was amazing. The acting was amazing. Everything was pretty much awesome. And the age recommendation, um, if you're a superhero lover and you're like, you're okay with kind of intense scenes, I would say 10 to 18 and adults for sure. Yay, I'm so happy you gave it a 5 out of 5 stars. Now I'm even more excited to watch it. And Rowan, what about you? Um, how many stars would you give it, and what do you think the age range should be? I mean, I also gave it a 5 out of 5 stars. I think ages 9 through 18, which is very similar to hers, but... Wonderful. Yay. I'm so happy. And um, I've had a wonderful, wonderful time talking with both Catherine and Rowan. And so thank you guys once again for talking about Avengers Endgame with me. Let's take a break. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. For teens, by teens, and about teens. Tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have just been talking about Avengers Endgame, and now we're going to be talking about Jojo Rabbit. This is a recap episode, but it does contain some of our favorite episodes of the past year. We hope you really enjoy this. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris. I'm not really sure how to label this one, but it's an absolutely phenomenal film. It's Jojo Rabbit, and we're going to be talking about it with Catherine. How are you doing today, Catherine? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So let's get right into this. Overall, what did you think of this film? What was your initial impression over everything? You know, I really liked it. I mean, they made a serious topic funny. You know, I was really, really confused when I first heard they were making this into the film. And I just didn't know what to think because it's such an odd concept. I couldn't imagine the scenario of trying to pitch this. Oh, yeah, it's a film with Adolf Hitler, but it's a satire. Don't worry, it's a satire. So just want to know, overall, what's your opinion on the story and the very interesting perspective they took on it? Well, I I personally loved this movie. I mean, it was hilarious, and I did like how it was from a child's point of view. So that made it uh, funnier and, you know, less serious, pretty lighthearted, you know? Absolutely. For the audience who does not know, the film is all about the perspective of Jojo, who is played by Roman Griffin Davis, a little boy, and it takes place at the end of World War II. And it's about Jojo's experience as a boy, in a German boy, in Nazi society. And I would love to know from you, did you learn anything? Because I just learned so much about what everyday life was like in that culture and how they were raising kids and what they were teaching kids. Yeah, okay, that was pretty crazy what they thought about Jewish people and you know I mean I've learned a little bit about Nazis but not really that much and I'm kind of glad that I haven't you know but it's crazy absolutely crazy oh absolutely so I think we do need to take some time to talk about the fact that it is a satire film it's most definitely satirical and it's going to make you laugh quite a lot but it's still a film that's set during the end of World War II, and there's going to be a lot of sad moments and a lot of serious moments because this is still a Nazi society. So how do you think they balanced comedy and drama to make this film have a very consistent tone? Well, you know, I, I thought that they did an amazing job with that. I mean, they made it just funny enough, but not too funny, Like not like they tried too hard to make it funny but they also had enough like serious stuff to also you know yeah balance that I thought it was balanced out pretty well absolutely and I think we do have to talk about the fact that the director of the film Taikaya Watiti I'm so so sorry if I mispronounced the name he's the director of the film but he also plays Adolf Hitler in the film who is Jojo's imaginary friend and I absolutely love that kind of arc that Adolf Hitler had in the film, his performance. I would love to know your opinion. What did you think of that character and the way he interacted with the story? Yeah, all right. Um, Taika Waititi, um, he was, yeah, so as you said, he's the director. And he's an amazing actor, actually. That accent was awesome. thought it was hilarious. And, you know, yeah, he, he was really 
good. He was also hilarious, and I loved that, like, JoJo's imaginary friend was Adolf Hitler, which kind of made it funny because they kind of, he kind of put his, like, political sway on JoJo, you know, because, I mean, he's Adolf Hitler, and, you know, I just thought it was, he was really, really good. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I do think we need to give a lot, a lot of credit to the star of the film, and that is Roman Griffin Davis, who is very young. I'm not sure how old he is, but I'm guessing less than 11, 10 years old. He's really young, but I honestly thought his performance was one of the best of the year. What do you think? I totally agree. He was amazing in that movie. Absolutely. You're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Jerry Orris from Los Angeles. And right now we're talking about the absolutely wonderful brand new comedy drama film, Jojo Rabbit. We're talking with Catherine about it. And Catherine, I also want to get into a little bit about just the themes and how they communicated it. So in your opinion, what do you think was the main theme of this film? Well, obviously treat others kindly and like don't judge them by their faith. Um, I mean, you know, gotta treat everyone kind. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And in my opinion, I really love that it was just so much more powerful because he felt as naive as the main character because it's all from his perspective. And what did you think of the rest of the cast? I mean, there's so many wonderful people. We have Sam Rockwell, we have Scarlett Johansson, we have Thomas McKenzie playing Elsa, just a lot of wonderful actors. And how do you think they all shined in their roles? Oh, yeah, they were awesome. Scarlett Johansson was an amazing mom. And, you know, Thomas and Mackenzie was really good. And I also thought that uh, Rebel Wilson was hilarious in that movie. Oh, absolutely. There's just so many moments where she does something completely off the hook crazy. And it's just casual. I love it so much. But I want to know from you, off the hook moments or any moments in general, what's your favorite scene in the film? Oh, gosh, that is a super hard one. But probably when he first finds Elsa, the um, Jewish girl that's living in his walls, um, I thought that, that was really funny scene because he was just freaking out. <laughs> I completely agree. I love so much how Elsa kind of pretended to be a monster creepily with her hand on the walls. It was amazing. I loved it. I agree. That was a wonderful, wonderful scene. And what did you think of the cinematography, too? Because I found it really interesting. You know, it wasn't just an easy comedy with a lot of wide shots and basic coverage. It actually got very artistic with the camera angles. Yeah, it really did. And overall, what do you think of the directing as a whole? Because Taika, as we covered, was not only a director, he also had to star in the film itself. Yeah, I thought that it was amazing. Just He's an amazing director in general. I mean, he has directed so many movies. Like, to think of one off the top of my head, uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, a bunch of other movies. He's also an actor. And, you know, and yeah, he's a really good director. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Thor Ragnarok because you can see a lot of connections with that lighthearted feel, but there's still a lot of dark energy behind the actual story of the film. Between this and Thor Ragnarok, I'm not sure if you saw, do you have a preference? Which one you like more? Oh, they were both amazing. I, I think they're equal. 
I love Marvel movies, and I also loved this movie. Yeah, I have to say equal. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it also shows that, you know, even if the story is from something like a comic book strip, a good director can still make it a really unique and powerful film like Thor Ragnarok was. And backtracking to Jojo Rabbit a little bit, overall, how many stars would you give this film and why? I would say four out of five stars. It was a really good movie. Just why? Because, I mean, it was... It was really good. Really good. And why not five out of five stars? You know, I just, you know, there was, it was very gory at some moments. <laughs> you know, I got to agree. It absolutely was. I was very much taken aback by just how much it got into it. It was very realistic when it got into the more violent scenes. So I'm guessing parents really want to know now. What age range would you give it? I would say probably 12 to 18. That seems very reasonable. And to parents, it is definitely a very educational film to still show kids. It is a little bit on the gory side. Don't expect to go in there and see a kid's film. It's definitely not fully a kid's film. But Catherine, thank you so much for talking to us about Jojo Rabbit. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm your host, Jerry Orr, signing off. Let's take a break. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com to become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Join the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday afternoon for the Empowered Kids series. It's two hours of programming geared toward our younger listeners and our young at heart listeners. We kick things off with Express Yourself Teen Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Then keep up with your favorite movies on Kids First Coming Attractions at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. The Empowered Kids series every Sunday on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. 
Hey, welcome back. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have just been talking about Jojo Rabbit, and now we're going to be talking about The Lion King. This is a recap episode, but it does contain some of our favorite episodes of the past year. We hope you really enjoy this. I'm Sahiba. Let's talk with Brad and Callista about The Lion King. Hi. So I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this. I've heard a lot of things, and now I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. So, Brad, um, what did you think of this new Lion King? Oh, my gosh. I loved it. It was so good. The, it, it was pretty much the same. It was pretty similar to the original one. But they did it with a bunch of CGI, which I thought made it a lot cooler and a lot more engaging to watch. Okay, wonderful. And so, Calista, how did watching this Lion King make you feel? Well, now I feel awkward because I basically thought the opposite. I honestly, I feel like, because I am a big fan of animation, and I personally feel that these live-action remakes, especially this one, are very like they kind of give me the impression that people don't feel like animation is profitable and i think that this one especially completely misses the point as to why the original lion king worked and overall because of the cgi i think it actually is a major downgrade wow that's really interesting oh this is gonna be exciting to hear both your viewpoints and so brad what did you think about the cgi do you agree with calista or do you disagree i disagree i i really thought like the engaging and realistic aspect it brought to the movie made it a lot more entertaining to watch because like going into the movie and like like throughout the first scenes like the cgi like you can see like every blade of grass like every rock Everything is, like, so realistic, and it feels like, at times, they, like, actually took animals from Africa and taught them how to act out these characters. That's how realistic it looked to me, and I thought it was just incredible. Wow, that does sound incredible. Um, so, Calista, um, did you like that it was so realistic? I know you mentioned a little bit about how um, you really cherish animation. I think, well, it is, like, I do agree that the CGI is, like, it's not bad. I can say that for sure. I do agree that the CGI is good. However, I think this hyper-realism takes away from something very crucial to a story like The Lion King. Because The Lion King is such an emotional and intense story. It's dealing with some pretty heavy, heavy subject, especially for a kid's movie at the time. And when you have an animated movie, when you're animating lions... Like when you're hand when you're doing it hand drawn, you don't have to worry about the fact that lions don't have the ability to show all this range of emotion that lions can't show in real life. When Simba cries during Mufasa's death in the original, you feel that because it's so expressive, but because of this hyper realism CGI, it just looks awkward because these characters are not able to emote the way that the original characters could. And I think that greatly uh, downgrades this version because it's still, like, supposed to be an emotional story, but it ruins the suspension of disbelief when you have all these intense things going on and all you can think of is, wow, they really do not look invested. 
Well, that's a really interesting perspective. I did not think of that. So, Brett, what did you think about the songs in the film, and how would you compare them to the original songs? Overall, I I thought like the songs were just about as good as the original one, but not quite as good. There were a few of them that I was not a fan of, but there there was the little be our guest like little tidbit that I thought like there were parts like that where I thought this is hilarious but there were there were times where I was not as big of a fan to be honest okay I see you're listening to kids first coming attractions and right now I'm going to continue talking with Brad and Callista on the Lion King so Brad you were just telling me about the songs and you had a couple of mixed feelings about them so Callista can you tell me what you thought about the songs well, I think that, like, uh, I'm going to just say it. I think most of my issues with this come down to, like, the CGI and how, like, ooh, how photorealistic it is. I think because of the fact that they're trying to make it seem realistic, they kind of just, like, cut out everything that was super cartoonish. And I understand that because of the realism, they're not able to do all these, like, all these, like, ridiculous, like, choreographies and all this, like, bright, intense lighting and stuff like that. But it just makes it look awkward because then it feels like why include it at all? Like um, the I just can't wait to be king scene that felt low key kind of boring because there wasn't because like in the original it's like there's all these like physics defying like choreography but it at least made it like a fun song to like look and it made it like a fun musical number but in this one they're just kind of like running around because there's really not much they could do. And they heavily shortened Be Prepared, which was disappointing to me because that's my favorite song in the whole movie. And, I mean, aside from that, it, like, I actually, like, when it came to Can You Feel the Love Tonight, I kind of just, like, blocked that out of my mind because I just, like, the song started and then I zoned out and then I was like, oh, it's over. So, like, the songs just really felt like they were just kind of there. There wasn't really much, like, passion put into it. Oh no, do you think it would have been better if like they kept the songs out? Like it would have been different but slightly better? I feel like if it was if they cut the songs out, that would have at least made this one stand out in like an aspect other than just CGI. Okay, I see. And so, um, Brad, what did you think about the voice acting? There's now Donald Glover um who's portraying Simba. I really liked the voice actors, to be honest. My favorite two were Seth Rogen and Billy Etchner. They played Pumbaa and Timon, and I thought their dynamic duo was just hilarious. I was, like, rolling on the ground, dying at points, because every other line they had, in my opinion, was really funny, and they were meant to play those roles. I remember those guys from the first, the original Lion King. They they are hilarious. Were there like new jokes um, and old jokes as well, or was it like completely like redone? It was a good combination. They they definitely kept some of the older ones, but they added a few new ones that I thought were pretty well done. Okay, cool. And um, so, Callista, what did you think about the different characters and um, their character arts? Are they pretty all so much the same, or is there differences there as well? I feel like that's kind of, like, another problem I have with this is because it feels like everything is exactly the same. I'm not really that much of a fan of reboots and remakes, but I feel like if you want to do one, you've got to at least make it, like, 
a different viewing experience. And I feel like the circle of life scene, that is like a shot for shot remake and multiple scenes have like the exact same dialogue and almost like the exact same like cinematography. And I feel like this goes to the characters as well. There's really nothing new about how they're portrayed. I feel like there is like one weird thing that I think they were trying to do to make it different, but it really didn't feel like that. Because I don't remember if this is in the original, because I haven't seen the original in a while. But there is, like, a, a like very minor subplot of Scar trying to get with Simba's mom. I don't know why this was added. I don't know if this happened in the original, because I don't remember this. It, there's, like, two scenes where, like, he talks to her, and it's, like, very clearly, like, romantic tension there. And I feel like that's just kind of, like, added for literally no reason. It doesn't feel like it changes anything. Like, they could have cut that out, and, like, I don't feel like much would have been different, and that's kind of the whole, like, that's why this is so confusing to talk about for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't remember that uh, in the original Lion King, but if they did add that, that is a little strange. But, um, Pad, what do you think? Do you agree with Calista, disagree? What are your thoughts? I agree. I, I definitely think it was pretty much the same. Like, it was almost the same movie, just CGI. And, a little, like, a little bit different, like, a little bit different song and casting-wise. But I, I, like, producing the movie, I definitely think that that was necessary because it's such an iconic movie. Like, I don't... I, I think it'd be risking too much to change it up since it's such, like, a memorable and, like, one of the, be- like, most famous Disney films. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, too. I could see how if it was changed too much, fans could also be a little, like, oh, I don't know why they did that. But, um, yeah, that's really interesting. Both your arguments are so compelling. <laughs> so, um, finally, Brad, what would you say um, the age range and star rating would be for The Lion King? I thought that the age range was for kids 8 through 18 just because of uh, a bunch of, like, violence and, like, a bunch of chaos and, like, all of that jazz at the end. And I gave it a 4 out of 5 stars and recommend for everyone to see. Wonderful. And what about you, Clusa? I would give the age range 5 to 18 and would give it 2 out of 5 stars. Wow, well, it's been so much fun to hear from both of you, hear both of your perspectives, and it makes me want to watch this film even more, so it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, of course, it's a pleasure. I'm Sahaba, and you're listening to Kids Who Coming Attractions. Let's take a break. I'm Arjun. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, 
properties and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. On the Right Road with host Paula Phillips has arrived at Voice America. With remarkable heart and realness, this popular program brings inspiration, ideas, opportunities, and help to teachers and parents around the globe who work daily to guide kids on the right road in school and in life. Join the Right Road family of kindness, uplifting, and support. Tune in to On the Right Road, live every first and third Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Arjun from Brentwood, Tennessee, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have just been talking about The Lion King, and now we're going to be talking about Toy Story 4. This is a recap episode. It does contain some of our favorite episodes of the past year. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba, and we'll be talking with Zoe and Natalia about Toy Story 4. So, Zoe, can you tell me what's going on in this Toy Story? So the story is basically about a little girl named Bonnie who gets all of Andy's toys because Andy pretty much goes to the university, which I think you can kind of see that a little bit in Toy Story 3. But um, Bonnie loves all of her toys, and Woody used to be the favorite with Andy, but she doesn't really like Woody. Well, I don't know if she likes him or not, but she doesn't really play with Woody a lot. But so basically... It comes to Bonnie's first day of kindergarten, and she gets super sad. So Woody thinks it's his mission to make Bonnie happy. So he helps her create a toy named Forky, and from there you go like to this amazing like adventure to try to like help Forky like be a good toy to Bonnie. Oh, that sounds like a really cute story. Oh, I just watched this film, and I gotta say, I loved it. Um, but I can't wait to hear what you guys think too. So, um, Natalia, how did watching this film make you feel? Well, I was very excited when I heard the toys are back on the big screen with an all new adventure in Toy Story Four, and. Just It kind of reminded me of my first day of kindergarten because they kind of celebrate that in the film. And it kind of made me feel, not in a certainty, very... Kind of made me feel like I was back in my younger years. I mean, I know that I'm not that older. I'm barely just 10. But it made me feel like I was little again because I could, I could relate so much to Bonnie. And it just felt like I was back in her world. And Zoe, so compared to the other Toy Story films, how do you how would you compare this one? Was it better, do you think? Well, one thing that I definitely noticed was like a huge improvement in animation because I've noticed lately like animation has just improved so much and the last Toy Story I saw it when I was two years old. So like I definitely saw an improvement in that. And I also loved that so most Toy Stories are kind of like 
revolved around like Andy and like his life. But here's like more of Bonnie and like there's new toys and new characters that I like I love like Gabby Gabby and the more you like you know about them like the more you want to find out. And so Natalie, what did you think of um all these new characters we meet and their development, including the old ones as well? Well, since the veteran characters had came along and some new characters that have been introduced, just like she said, Gabby Gabby and we have Forky and so many more. I feel that they've worked great they worked great together on set and off set, you know. I just felt like they kinda it kind of gave me suspense when I figured out, wow, this is the fourth Toy Story. Is there gonna keep on going on? Because that's a lot of that's a big number four for for a film, definitely. So when new characters came in to do introduce um, to this film, it kinda gave me it laid off that suspense on my on my shoulders because it, I realized that if there's new characters, the film has to keep on going on. So I think it worked very good. Yeah, for sure. I loved meeting um, these new characters. And um, yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. So Zoe, what did you think of Gabby Gabby, the antagonist? Can you tell me a little bit more about her and um, the voice acting behind the character? Gabby Gabby, she's just so interesting because... So at the beginning, I kind of had, like, a bad vibe with her. Like, I kind of felt like she was going to be, like, an evil character. Because, like, in most films, like, she's acting, like, she, like, acts nice. And then she kind of goes to, like, that rude character because she wants Woody's, um, I don't want to spoil too much. But as the film progressed, I noticed a change. And then you just find out so much more. And I was like, wow, you really can't just, like, judge people by, like, their actions at first and I thought the voice acting for Gabby Gabby is, like, I loved it. And I felt like the person who, like, did her voice was very, like, she, it actually made it feel like Gabby Gabby was alive. And I felt like the voice acting as well, it just, like, I feel like it, like, fit perfectly for Gabby Gabby. Yeah, for sure. Gabby Gabby was a really interesting character at the beginning. Like you said, I was like, she seemed nice, but then she was like me, but then she was okay. And then, yeah, she was very complex and I loved her character too. If you're listening to Kids First Coming Attraction, and right now I'm going to continue talking with Zoe and Natalia about Toy Story 4. So Zoe, you were just telling me about um, our bad guy and antagonist um, Gabby Gabby and how complex of a character she is. Uh, but Natalia, did you have a favorite character? Um, I think in all films I have a favorite character, but I definitely had a favorite character in Toy Story 4, which was undeniably Forky, because he brings excitement and laughter to the film. I know that I was laughing at the edge of my seat while watching this film, and I loved how Forky creates a plan and fails in a hilarious way, because Woody comes and saves the day for Bonnie, and I don't want to spoil the film too much, because I know it's, like, a lot of people are still waiting for it but you know he tries to escape because he feels some sort of way which I'm not going to explain what causes that feeling or why he feels that way but Woody always comes and saves the day for Bonnie because he knows it's best for her and if I could give Forky two character traits it would be oh outrageous and very funny 
Yeah, I love Porky too. He was such a good character. Like I haven't met someone like him in a while through the movies and so yeah, I totally agree. Oh, and Zoe, so what did you think about the um, animation? I remember you guys telling me how um, it's a big step up from the previous ones. Could you elaborate a little more? Yeah, I just feel like before um, the animation, like, there wasn't as much as technology as we have now. So I definitely feel like uh, the of all the time that they had to like, recreate Toy Story 4, because I remember seeing Toy Story when I was three, so they had, like, a lot of time to make it. The I feel like if they didn't improve on the animation, then it kind of would have like not made me like as happy as I am with the film, because we I see so many films now like The Secret Life of Pets. I did notice the animation was very good, or The Grinch. I saw that and I liked the animation as well. And I definitely felt like in this film it was probably like as good as other animated film the films that I've seen in the past. Yeah. Um, and so, Natalia, what did you jo- enjoy in most about the film? Well, I think not only the man- animation was my favorite, but I had a specific favorite scene in the film. And it definitely was when Woody encounters Bo Peep after a long time. I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil too much, as I said before, but he introduces himself to some of her new friends. And when he tries to give her a hug, and just kind of, he was so happy. He tried to not only give her a hug, but just try to squeal her as tight because he was so excited. A motorized car skunk comes through with Bo Peep's sheep controlling the car. And I was just so surprised. And Woody was definitely, his reaction was priceless. His eyebrows were up and his eyes were open. And I think that his sandbox went off automatically because he was so scared. Yes, I totally agree. That was a really funny part. And so finally, Zoe, what would you say the age range and star rating would be? I would definitely give this a 5 out of 5 stars. I love this film. And I would probably recommend it for ages 4 or 3 to 10. And adults as well. Wonderful. And how about you, Natalia? I believe I would recommend this film for ages 5 to 16, as well as adults. And I'd give this film a 5 out of 5 stars. And just to let other people know that this does have some dangerous things that younger kids especially will try to imitate, such as, like, breaking into a store during closed hours, um, popping tires, and jumping out of a moving vehicle. But definitely, I love this film. I mean, at first I was a little shaky about it because I have a taste seen Toy Story in a long time and then my mother she came along with me she was super excited I mean I've never seen her excited to see a kids film before because she's so intrigued by her own age rated films and shows and TV series as well and so she got so excited I was like okay this has to be good because my mom's a very picky person when it comes to watching movies and she was just laughing the whole time and I agreed with her I mean, it was awesome. So definitely a five out of five stars. Amazing. It's been so, so much fun to talk to you guys. I'm Sahiba. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. 
Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look out for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus. I'm Urgeon from Brentwood, Tennessee. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great start to the new year. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week. Oh, 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 oh